Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm excited about our guest today. His name is David Childers. The great thing about him is he is a broker and an owner. He's been investing in real estate for 20 plus years. He's been in many different aspects of the business and is going to provide great value today. Thanks for being on the show, David. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. David, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into real estate? Yeah, I actually moved here to Nashville, Tennessee uh, 15 years ago this month um, to, to, to work in the music business, specifically the Christian music business, and uh, stayed in it for two years and just kind of got tired of it. And um, through that, the band I was working with, I, I kind of met a mentor slash investor who uh, really encouraged me to, to get into real estate and uh, you know offered hard money financing for me to get started. So uh, when I started digging up deals, um, I presented them to him and he said, you know, instead of just uh, wholesaling it to me, why don't you, uh, you know, partner with me and let, let me, uh, you know, put the money up and, and you'll, uh, you'll manage it. And I, I think that was the, the start of a great relationship. Um, 12, 13 years now we've been partners and, uh, we just talked about this, this syndication, you know, partner and syndicating, that was the start of it. I wish I would have known the term syndication and, and realized kind of what I was doing at that point. But um, so that's where we got started. Um, flipped houses was on a show called flip that house um, really started kind of ramping up. And then the economy just, you know, took a crash and uh, you know, kind of twiddled our thumbs for a couple of years why everything was down. Now, are you strictly residential real estate or strictly? Uh, no, I just, I just sell multi. Well, I say I just sell multifamily. I mean, that's, I, I started a brokerage firm. Actually, it was a, a concept, uh, a guy named William Kirkland with the Kirkland company here in Brentwood, Tennessee. They, they, uh, he kind of came to me and said, you know what, Dave, you need to start a brokerage firm that just specializes in small and mid-sized multifamily because I can't take a 10 unit deal out to market because I work with billionaires and, you know, very wealthy people and it would just, you know, it wouldn't look good for their brokerage firm. So I started this company to kind of take, you know, I guess the, 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 the other deals that they weren't able to, uh, to really do anything with and kind of brand with it. And that was in 2011 and we've closed almost, I think around 400 multifamily deals. Um, and so I think that's kind of my expertise is, um, really helping people through a transaction, um, and brokering it. So I have the, uh, investor mindset in, on hat on when I'm, when I'm helping you buy your, maybe your first multifamily deal. What are some of the hardest or most difficult things an investor has to uh, overcome through that transaction that you're talking about helping them through? What's some of the common things that you see people face that you have to help them through? Reality check. Uh, they go, they go, come to me after they've gone to a seminar and uh, kind of have these, uh, you know, uh, certain things in their head, a certain way it's going to go. And, and, you know, they hear from a guru in some down market, you know, let's just say, I'm just throwing something out there, but Detroit, you know, oh, you can buy stuff at 50 cents on the dollar. So they'll come here to Nashville and think that they can make offers 50 cents on the dollar. And really, you need to be making offers on, you know, 125% of the ask price sometimes here in Nashville. So I'd say that would be the biggest thing. Um, 
one story I like to bring up is I just worked with a first time investor buying his first 13 unit and uh, he had never really bought anything. He had a few single family homes and he, uh, the seller owns 22,000 doors uh, and they're based out of New York. So I feel like that was a learning curve for me because I had to speak both languages. I had to kind of teach the new guy, um, how the business looked. And then even on the seller side, he didn't understand kind of an evaluation of a 13 unit. He, in his mindset, you know, he was using numbers that he would use on a 150 unit. And when you're talking about bank financing versus HUD or Fannie Mae and just how the numbers work, it just works out a lot different. So I really learned how to kind of translate between those two extremes. Very nice. Tell us, so you recently, uh, completed a syndication or you've done numerous syndications. Tell us, are, are you, are you helping investors also through those transactions in a syndication process or mostly trying to get into real estate? What's your focus? Yeah. I mean, my, my, so that gentleman I met 15, 13 years ago, you know, he and I partnered 50, 50. So we did a lot of deals together that way. Um, and so I guess that was the strategy I'd, I'd been using. And I, I joined a CEO group, um, I don't know, a bunch of wealthy, you know, entrepreneurial CEOs here in Nashville a couple of years ago. And, you know, their question to me was, what do you need from us or what, how can we help you? And so they really gave me some pointers. And so one of their suggestions was, you know, you need to branch out and find more investors and not just, you know, kind of have all your eggs in one basket and just count on one person. So one of them had uh, just successfully sold a business for multi-millions of dollars and uh, was in the financial planning industry um, and had a Harvard MBA, just an incredibly intelligent man. And, and he, he, he kind of helped me do the syndication, the last one. So I pretty much put all the fundraising side uh, of the responsibility in our last syndication in, in, in his boat. And he did that. Um, and, and that's really how it worked out on the last one. You know, we raised, it wasn't a lot, you know, in most people's eyes, but a million and a half dollars. Um, and I'd say pretty easily. Um, it, it was a learning curve for me, um, meeting with people who were worth, we met with a few billionaires and, and honestly, they just said the deal's too small. Um, and then, you know, you've got the other coin where people are giving you maybe half of their cash or want to give you half their cash. And, uh, you know, they're, they're asking tough questions for you. So, so there's really, I, I tell people trying to find the right kind of money is important versus just finding money. Um, we've got obviously a lot of people here in Nashville that do music business. And, you know, one of my concerns was if we took their cash, you know, to put in this deal and then six months later, you know, they were looking for it, uh, to put back in their pocket to feed their kids. I didn't want to be in that position. So, um, I think that's what I learned from that last process of, of raising the million and a half dollars. So. And that, that individual that's really looking to get that money back within a few months or to feed their family, I mean, they're the type of investor that's going to be bugging you probably during the whole process also. They're not experienced. They probably haven't invested before, especially in real estate or a large deal with sponsor. Um, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And, and something I've learned, you know, Rob, Rob's raised money for other businesses and, you know, how they burn through cash. And, 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 you know, some of these guys invest in those type of companies don't expect to see their money back for five to seven years. And, you know, they're just burning through, through capital. Um, it's so different in real estate. Um, so it, it you know, their expectations aren't to get their money back in six to 12 months, um, which, you know, as a syndicator, you know, I guess you got to plan for, you know, 
the worst, the worst plan. And, 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 you know, Hey, we might have to keep your money in the deal. We'd love to refinance it and get everybody their equity back. Um, I think is the ultimate goal, but if you have to keep it in there, those are the type of people we want, um, partnering with us. And you said you wish you had known about syndication uh, many years ago and why syndication and, and why not just keep flipping properties or, you know, really focusing on that um, or, or some other type of investment or stock market? Why, why real estate syndication? Well, I mean, that's, I think when the market hit, uh, one reason I started this brokerage firm is I've seen so many deals come across the table um, that I, I was just trying to figure out some way to capitalize on them. And, and I guess the, the quickest, easiest solution was just to broker them to people. Um, and if I could have bought 10% of some of the deals I sold, you know, I'd be, I guess, living on a beach maybe in a, you know, some Island right now and, and, and not brokering, um, if I had owner partial ownership in them. And if I would have put, I don't, I guess I could have put money together again, back to that one partner. If I, you know, he probably was a little hesitant at that time to be putting money into deals. And, you know, that was my source of capital. So at that time, if I would have had, you know, a hundred people lined up to put money in, you know, we might've taken down and, and purchased some of those um, properties instead of uh, just brokering them for a fee. How, how are some ways you, your brokerage or brokerage is finding, finding those deals? You know, not a lot of it was on just the multiple listing service in, in the early days. I mean, we were just finding, you know, for example, deals for duplexes for fifty, sixty thousand dollars duplexes that would rent out for seven hundred dollars a side. So a fifty thousand dollar duplex for you know fourteen hundred dollars in rent. Now those duplexes are traded for two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, and we've helped a lot of clients buy and then resell them. Um, but now I guess my company, myself, we just become the pre- people in Nashville. Uh, so a lot of the mark uh, deals we do are off market. Um, and so I don't know, my name just gets out there. Um, and, and again, back to referrals, you know, we do a lot of referrals, um, that co- the Kirkland company, for example, that does large multifamily, you know, they'll just refer me clients quite a bit that are selling the smaller stuff. What, what's one way that you're improving your business right now? Um, we just updated a website. So now you can go on our website and search all the multifamily, uh, that's listed in the MLS through our website. Um, we're constantly trying to, you know, I, I guess I wanted to be a broker that was always giving back to my clients and not just selling you something and then, you know, not following up. So we're always, I guess this past spring, we did a seminar, free seminar to clients, had a four hour seminar and I got up and presented just kind of a, overview of investing in multifamily. Um, we're always trying to find strategic partners, um, you know, whether it's an insurance agent or uh, a recent, uh, about a year ago, we teamed up with a property management company uh, called Volunteer Properties. And, um, and so again, that's another resource we're always trying to, to come up with and, and just, again, help our clients. And, and it's really, it's think, people that I use personally on my properties that I'll, I'll refer to you. So if it's the carpet company, carpet laying, the, the property management, the, the eviction attorney, um, I, I wouldn't tell you to use somebody unless I had used them first. So I guess we're always, always trying to fill, fill that hopper um, with resources for the clients. Do you have a specific daily routine or something that has helped you uh, in your success, you know, to get to the point that you are, you're at? 
No, I wish I could tell you that I'm like this super, like, I don't know. I, I, I see some of these people maybe on social media and you think, Oh man, they just got it all together. And you know, no, I mean, I think that's the hardest thing is not having a routine, you know, and having short mm. weeks. Like we were just talking about, like, you know, this week we're, we're going out to a seminar. Um, you know, next week I'm doing something with the entrepreneurial uh, center here in Nashville. So no, there, there isn't. So I think that's where the discipline comes in is, you know, I could show you, I've got a little piece of paper sitting next to me. I'm kind of trying to write out what I need to get done today. Um, I wish I was more routine, but just my personality, um, I've just always been this way. And it, some people, I think that stresses them out. I, I've always been um, self-employed. So never, you know, I dropped out of college and moved here to Nashville. And so I've, I guess I, I just, it's ingrained in me now. Um, Cause I do hear people that have been in corporate America um, kind of talk about their struggles with that after they leave corporate America, that there's no structure. So. So tell me, Coming to you, uh, you know, you, as, you being a broker and um, say my listener as a, uh, a new syndicator, what does that relationship and, and conversation say the first conversation need to look like or do you want to see in someone that's pursuing the syndication process? You know, most of the brokers I know most, let me just say that, know more about multifamily investing than you do if you're new at it. They know a lot more about the numbers. Um, not saying believe every number in their package um, because I, I think that's the most frustrating thing as a, as a, a broker and, and as a, a, a buyer and an owner is looking through some of these marketing packages. And, and I always go down to the expense line and uh, you know, figure out what their expense per door is. And I, I can quickly say there's no way I can run that at $2,000 a door. Um, so I'd say look for that. Um, don't don't BS me. You know, don't call me and and uh, you know act like you know what you're talking about. If you don't, it's fine. I'd rather have somebody be very honest with me and say, "Hey, you know, this is my first investment, um, or my six or or whatever." I, I will figure out um, if if you're experienced or not. Um, and that's something I think we're running into a lot right now with the kind of the how hot the market is is people unexperienced just throwing offers over mm. and they haven't really vetted their offer. Um, and then they want to come back and retrade and we could have dealt with this in the beginning, but they want to get their foot in the door. They want to get it under contract. They want to tie us up. So something we're working on as a brokerage firm is really vetting these buyers uh, a lot more heavily than we used to um, because it looks bad on us. We just had a deal where a, a broker, you know, had a client backed out on us and, and just it, you know, the seller was unfortunately a little bit angry with us, I think on how it went down. Um, and we co-broker a lot. So, you know, I guess that's another thing that makes us a little bit different is we're willing to participate with a, another broker if they've got a buyer. Um, but that also leads into some questions because we're not able to vet that buyer we're not able to have the conversations that we like to with that buyer. It's all going through that other broker. Um, and so that, that sometimes creates, you know, difficulty, but yeah, I'd say just, you know, be honest with the, you know, if you call one of these big firms, you know, I'd say even for myself with the, you know, $20 million worth of real estate we have, you know, in holding right now um, to be legit with some of these brokers um, is still a difficult thing um, that we even face. So just be honest. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just be honest. I mean, you know, it's, it's, and I'll tell you, man, a lot, a lot, and I don't know if I should say this, but a lot of commercial brokers are just jackasses, honestly. I mean, they're just jerks. Um, and, and I guess that's another thing we've tried to create is this kind of a more of a blue collar flip flop kind of company. You know, if you could see me right now, I've got t-shirt and jeans and, and tennis shoes on, and that's just kind of how we operate. Um, there's no frills about us. And, uh, I think of people sometimes appreciate that. Maybe, maybe I lose business because of it, but, um, I think for the most part, our clients appreciate we're, we're very honest and upfront and, and I expect the same out of you as a client. And you answered this question a little bit, but can you go in a little more detail how we find someone that, that we want to work with as a broker, uh, kind of like yourself? Um, you know, I guess it's, you know, I, if you were in my area, you'd hopefully see a lot of our, our marketing, but you know, you could just kind of got to dive into a market. You know, we took the plunge and, and moved, you know, some of, well, the last syndication deal we did was in Pensacola, Florida. So you just got to get down there, get meeting people, get, get into the local market and try to meet, you know, who are the players down there. Um, you know, the first thing I did was call the, uh, apartment association in, in the panhandle of Florida and talk to the president and just got a feel for the market and who the players were. Uh, we paid for our manager to get involved with that. Um, again, for resources, flooring, painting, you know, just different resources. So I'd say just, you know, figure out what market you want to be in. And I think that's the difficult part is just, you know, you're getting pitched deals from all over the country. You kind of got to choose somewhere to go. Um, Cause I think your, your head would explode if you were trying to go, you know, in every direction. So you went to that market. What's the first thing you did when you went there? Uh, drove the property and then kind of circled the property, you know, just kind of looking at the, you know, businesses, the growth, you know, the jobs around there. Um, Cause if you're buying a class, like for us, it was buying a class C property. We knew probably most of the tenants were going to work in the general area and, you know, access to highways, you know, just again, the general economy for the whole city. Is it, you know, is it, moving up or is it, is it moving backwards? So how many team members have you had you talked to in that market before you went down there? Actually none. Um, I got a flyer in the mail, I believe. And, uh, there were just a few things on that flyer that, uh, intrigued me to to call a broker. And, you know, (laughs) I think, I think we might've impressed him because, uh, my partner has a private plane. So we, uh, you know, looked at it, saw some numbers and said, Hey, you know, we'll be down there. We'll fly in tomorrow, um, for an hour and look at it and then fly back. So tell us about a mistake you made on that, on that syndication process and how you overcome it. Um, let's see that one. I think the biggest, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it'd be a mistake is, uh, listening to the lender on what it was going to cost to fix the aluminum wiring. Um, they came and gave me a, a roundabout figure of, you know, they normally put about a $500, uh, per unit fee in there to fix that, which I guess is very achievable in the Tennessee market or, or some other, but in Florida, it's about a $1,500 unit fix. Um, so 86 units. So it's going to cost me, you know, $90,000 plus or minus more than I guess I had underwritten. So, you know, it's, it's really crossing every T and dot and every I, um, there's always going to be things that you figure out after the fact. Um, and I think that's where people are sometimes running numbers so thin and so fine right now that there's no room for mistakes. Hmm. 
how do we know we're not running our numbers that thin or that fine? That's a good question. <laughs> What's some you know, key I, things that you do to make sure you are uh, underwriting a property a property correctly? Man, I, you know, that's a hard question because some things I do in my head just from brokering so many deals and buying and selling so many deals that I think there's some things that I don't have on paper that I do that I just naturally do. Um, but, you know, maybe running a, you know, different interest rate on your loan, um, running a higher vacancy, just kind of, uh, putting worst case scenarios in there and seeing if it still works. Uh, you know, I think I mentioned about refinancing, um, you know, what if that doesn't happen, you know, what's the risk, what kind of debt do you have? Um, you know, if you're going out there getting an interest only for three years and at the end of three years, you know, you, you've got to figure out the next move. Well, what if interest rates have moved, uh, up or down, or, you know, you got to sell the asset at that point and the market's down and cap rates have gone, you know, high. And you know, there's just so many, so, you know, debt, debt, debt's the thing that I've actually been intrigued by on all these multifamilies is the non-recourse debt. Uh, you know, I have a HUD loan on one of my properties. So we've got this Freddie Mac SBL loan on another. Um, so, so I think that's, that's always something I'm always looking at is, is worst case scenario with the debt. Cause I live through, you know, my 115 unit, we purchased that before the crash. And, you know, luckily I was able to make it cash flow or pay for itself through the crash. Um, and so I know how to make that work. Uh, I don't think a lot, you know, if you, unless you live through it, you really don't. Um, and I think the debt piece is, is the important part going through another downturn like that. Hmm. What's the top reason a real estate syndicator is going to fail or not make it into the business? I think a lot of people give up quickly. You know, they go to a seminar, they go to a real estate investment group and they call me and, and they can't find a deal. And, it, and I'll say it, it is frustrating right now because it feels like for me, there, there's really, you know, I look at everything that comes across my plate from brokers on a daily basis and I, I don't see anything that I want to buy. Um, so I think giving up quickly, um, again, thinking it's easier than it really is. Um, it is, it, it's not the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life, but you've, you've definitely got to have the right pieces of the, of the puzzle to put together. Um, you know, you got to find a deal, you got to find the investors. And then, you know, people think that you buy these, you put them under management and it's just, uh, you know, uh, mailbox money from them. And it's not. I mean, there's following up with managers, insurance, tax bills, uh, vacancy rates, uh, renovation. There's, there's so many decisions to make as an owner um, almost on a daily basis. Um, and so, again, back to my little list of things that I do on a daily basis. You know, we're working with sellers, we're working with buyers, and then I spend about 60% of my time just, just on the assets that I own, um, following up with managers. I, I try to always keep kind of that open door policies with my managers as an owner. So they know to call me on my cell phone and, and discuss things, you know, are the, are the property management companies pushing the rents where you want them to go? Um, that's always kind of obviously a, a little fight that we have. Uh, you know, I, I think that they should be pushing them a little harder and they push back on me. Um, so being an owner, you just, for, I, I've just got to, you know, tell them this is where I want the rents to go and it'll be on me if uh, the vacancy rate goes up. How do you know how much to push a property manager, you know, and they're in that market and a lot of people say, you know, the, the property manager is going to know what the rent should be. You know, how, how much do you rely on them or how, how do you know uh, when to push more? 
I'd say the biggest the the mistake I see them always making is they're they're always putting like a you know a price per foot on on units, and I kind of look back and say, well, yeah, I understand that argument, but we have you know these amenities or this floor plan or this layout, and if you actually if you went and drove those properties, uh, you know curb appeal is a big thing. Um, you know, getting we get CoStar data reports to to look at them, but but really, actually, just going and and visiting these other sites and uh, uh, other complexes and really figuring out, you know, what 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 do they have or don't have that we do? Um, and I'll give you an example: the, the property we have in Florida is actually eighty four. It's eighty six units, but it's forty. What is it? Forty three. It's essentially duplexes on one parcel. That's how it was built. Um, so you don't have a tenant above you. You don't have a tenant below you. Uh, you have these little backyard areas. Well, if I'm comparing that to a, a three-story, you know, unit that's a, or a three-bedroom or a three, three-floor complex that you got to walk your dog down the steps to go, you know, walk it or whatever. I think that's a you know positive thing that we have that you can just let your dog out the back door. Um, just just little things like that. I guess again, back to just doing this business for twelve or thirteen years, you start to kind of um, see those little additive bonuses that you, you add up in your head versus, uh, you know, some people, uh, in the prop business. All right, David, well, unfortunately we're out of time and, and I want people to be able to connect with you. How's, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Uh, you can visit my website. It's uh, real simple. I think it's, uh, R I a, the letters R I a, a hyphen or a dash symbol, I N C Inc.com. So it's, uh, RIA-INC.com. You can email me, Dave at RIA-INC.com. Um, I always do this. I give out my personal cell phone number. If anybody wants to call me directly, it's 615 area code, uh, 479-8737. Would love to connect with people. Um, you know, if they have any questions or just want to talk shop about the business, I'd love, love to talk to you. That's a great opportunity. Thanks for putting that out, David. Thank, thank you so much for being on the show. And I hope, uh, hope everyone learned a lot and will leave a review and subscribe. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Winnie. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.